witch of the Lazarus Coven. As I stand at the graveside, I let my gaze sweep over the gathered mourners. Hundreds have turned out to pay their last respects to the late Duke, but only a handful among us know that the coffin, which is the current focus of attention, and which is now being lowered into the damp, dark earth, is, in point of fact, empty. The August sunshine has warmed the soil, so that its musky scent drifts up from the open grave. To me, the aroma is familiar and stirring. It smells of long ago, of ages past, of loved ones moved from this world to the next, of death and rebirth, of rot and regeneration. As the smell fills my nostrils, I identify the presence of cleansing worms and busy beetles, and under it all, from nearby newly filled graves, the subtle beginnings of sweet decay. I am not the only one to detect the presence of disintegration. From the branches of a majestic cedar comes the agitated cawing of sharp-beaked rooks. The heat of the summer afternoon is starting to tell on many of the mourners. The pool of black the gathered company presents seems to ripple as women sway unsteadily in their heavy gowns, their restricting corsets robbing them of much of what little air there is. Here and there, fans are worked listlessly. The men fare no better beneath their top hats, and some pluck at their starched collars. The relentlessly high temperatures of this summer of 1913 are not conducive to comfort for anyone dressed for a society funeral. Even the gleaming black carriage horses, despite standing in the shade of an ancient yew tree, fidget, causing the blackened ostrich plumes on their bridles to shudder and flutter in the inappropriately cheerful sunshine. I feel my mother's grip on my arm tighten. Her gloved fingers dig into the black night crepe of my sleeve. She looks worryingly frail. Mama, I whisper, as close to her ear as her elaborately veiled hat will allow. Mama, are you quite well? Oh, Lilith, my dear, I do feel a little faint. The dowager duchess teeters alarmingly. Freddy, I hiss at my brother, who stands only a few paces off, but wears an expression that places him in another world entirely. Freddy, for heaven's sake, help Mama. What? Yes, yes, of course. Now then, Mama, steady as she goes. He smiles weakly, slipping his arm around our mother's tiny waist. Not long now, he murmurs. Soon be over, he adds, as much to himself as anyone else. I take in the pale couple that comprise my family, and wonder if I am equal to the task of looking after them. They need me to be strong, to take father's place. But how can I? How can I? My mother's very existence has been defined by her husband for such a long time, she was a duchess for so many years, and now she must alter her view of herself, of her position, to become Lady Annabel. She finds this modern, fast-changing world confusing and illogical, and overhanging us all is the possibility of war. She is adrift, and I must be her safe haven. It is so typical of Mamma that she insisted on such a grand and lengthy funeral. She has overseen every detail— from the number and variety of lilies, 
to the breed of the carriage horses and the funeral livery of the footman. I understand that she is sure in her mind that she knows precisely what her beloved Robert would have wanted. She believes it is expected of her, as the Duke's widow, to carry out his wishes. However keenly she feels her grief, she will not let it show. However lost she knows herself to be, she will present a small point of stoic dignity at the centre of the cortege. Only those closest to her will be aware of how much she is suffering. I know the truth of it. My mother is burying not simply an adored spouse, but the greater part of herself. Freddie and I will go into the world and have lives of our own. She will remain in privileged purgatory, from now until the moment of her own death. No longer duchess, no longer wife, no longer with a purpose of place around which she can shape her existence. And Freddie...